Welcome to Bandit's Keep. I'm Daniel. It's been a while, guys. I apologize. And this is, I guess, not a regular episode, but more of a special episode, as I got back from Gary Khan last week, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that. It's relevant, I guess, because I ran several OD&D adventures, as well as played in one. And I was going to go through each of the adventures that I played in, or each of the, uh, yeah, adventures, I guess, games, maybe, and talk a little bit about them. Hopefully this won't be too tremendously long, but I'm not going to give full summaries. I'm just going to give kind of a, an overview. So if you've got questions or comments about any of these things, go ahead and ask, and I can follow up next time. I will say, too, over the course of the last, I don't know, couple of months since the last time I put out an episode, I have gotten some calls from people, and I generally, when I get a call, I immediately like drop it in an episode and reply back so that it's fresh in my mind. But that episode now is sitting there with, I don't know, maybe like five or six calls that I've answered and I have no idea what they are. <laughs> so I want to go back and listen to it all and put together a full episode because I do want to talk a little bit more about OD&D with Chainmail in a more specific manner because I've been running it now for, I think we're on episode <laughs> uh, session 11 uh, in my home game. We've kind of fallen into a OD&D with Chainmail campaign and I want to talk a little bit about how that's going and about... Uh, any issues I think I see and some little changes that I've made to it that I've discovered work pretty well. So let's start though with, oh, I guess I should also say, or else I won't be shamelessly self-promoting like you're supposed to do. I have also started another podcast. Um, it is also on Anchor. It is A Voice with Daniel Norton. I will put a link in the show notes if anybody's interested. It is about uh, photography and create being a creator, basically. It's about the you know, not technical stuff about it, but more like the philosophy behind it. So if that sounds at all interesting, uh, go ahead and jump over there. Give me a listen and uh, give me a call in because I always appreciate that. Shameless plug over. And here we go. All right. So the first game that I played at Gary Khan was not actually on the schedule. I had several years back, I want to say it was like 2018, maybe I had gone to Gen Con and bought a game called Iron and Ale. It was a dwarven drinking game. And like literally you drink while you play this card game. That's the idea of it. You don't have to, but that's the idea. And it sounded awesome, but I am not the kind of person that has a lot of like drinking buddies. So it has sat on my shelf for a long period. But the last Gary Con I went to when they had the open bar kind of thing that they have the first night, um, somebody had brought a card game and it was really fun. So I said, I'm going to bring this game and try to start one. And sure enough, we played it. I think this is going to be a Gary Con tradition. So anybody who's going next year, jump in on this game. It was awesome. It's really fun. It's very zany. You eventually, you basically pull cards uh, and you play against other players. There's like little feats you have to do, like push-ups or race people or uh, slap them in the face or be slapped, I guess. Uh, it's 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 a little nuts and it becomes even more fun when, which which is what happened. All the people gathered around because we were playing in the lounge area. All the people gather, gathering around, we got them involved. So it was a really fun game. If anybody's listened to this that was at Gary Con and Sarah's playing, Man, jump in next year and uh, <laughs> a couple of, couple of, of uh, a gentlemen, I do not want to give their names because I didn't ask permission, but uh, who uh, had, I guess they watched the YouTube channel and they had said hi to me. So they were right there and we, they joined in and they were super fun. Um, so thanks guys for joining. And of course, uh, we also played with friends that I had come with. In any case, let's get to it. So the first official game. First thing in the morning, 10 a.m., Thursday morning, I played a game called Rocket Ships! Exclamation Point. This is a 
tabletop, I guess it's like a skirmish game. You are playing in uh, spaceships, basically, rocket ships, as it would be. And uh, the idea is supposed to be like 1940s Flash Gordon. Uh, you know, because we were inside, we couldn't use sparklers, but, uh, you know, you get the idea. It was kind of fun. I, I jumped in this game because I've been, since I've been using Chainmail so much, I decided that I really needed to actually play kind of a tabletop war game with people that knew how to play tabletop war games because I'm kind of figuring out Chainmail myself, but I thought it would be really cool. And I didn't jump in any Chainmail games because none of them fit into my schedule. I had already committed to running five games, so I had to work around that. There were some pretty awesome, though, based on the pictures, Chainmail games, so I would have loved to have seen those. But I played this one. It was cool. It was basically a playtest, if you will. The creator was there. He had his, uh, I guess, one of his normal players uh, running the game to see what it would be like if somebody else ran it. But unfortunately, we didn't get to keep the rule set, although it was pretty short because he had to use it for the next game. But I could probably recreate it if I really wanted to. I don't think he's going to sell it. Um, but effectively, you you move around. You've got either like a big cruiser ship or you've got uh, small like fighters. There was two sides, obviously. There's the Earth crew and then the Uranus crew, and we basically battled them. And it was it was fun. It was... There was a lot of people. I feel like it might have been more fun with fewer people, but I'm not sure because I, I, anybody who plays, I guess, any of these like miniatures war games, like I guess probably 40K would be uh, the more the most modern one or the most common one now. Um, let me know. Is that how they normally are if there's a bunch of people? Is Because it seemed a little slow paced because there was so many people moving around strategy wise, but could have also been that it was Thursday morning and we were getting pumped up, but it was really fun. Super nice people, kind of a fun game. I probably... If I had a copy of it, would play it again, but I don't think I'd play it again at a con, mostly because I played it just to kind of experience it. But really, really fun, uh, really cool game. So if you do see that and you're interested in that kind of stuff, it was it was nice and simple and fun. After that, I ran a game. I ran uh, what I call Unearthing the Eldritch Blade, which is, I guess, it's not really, <laughs> I don't want to say funnel because I don't like funnels, but it's an OD&D first level adventure that I created that is basically... Um, stripped down because you know if you if you play OD&D by the rules and you're rolling for gold unless you roll really terribly all your fighters are going to be in plate mail armor you know you can have decent weapons and stuff because things are cheap so what I do in this game is I created some characters and they have minimal equipment I don't think anybody has armor I think one guy has a shield which in OD&D with chainmail doesn't mean much unless you get a man-to-man combat they um I think there was like one missile weapon in the whole group the the, the magic user has like a I get like a hold portal for the spell. So it's, they're very much basic OD&D characters. And this is all about dungeon exploration. There's not a lot of fighting in it unless they unless they want there to be. But I place throughout the thing magic items and uh, weapons and things like that. Ultimately, they're sent in this thing for three days. Uh, there's, you know, don't come back if you don't get it. There's a blade down here. There's a demon slaying blade and they must recover it. They seem to be one gentleman, I think, had played, maybe plays OD&D or older games frequently. There was a couple who said they had played OD&D a long time ago, and there was another gentleman who didn't seem like he had ever played at all. They understood the chain mill rules right away. It wasn't complicated. I didn't think that it would be, but, you know, it's always good to know if uh, if how it plays out. I think one gentleman, though, may have been from the, used to playing more powerful characters in games because he he kept saying, oh, my character only has a sling. But man, that sling was super useful. So uh, thanks everybody who played in that game. If you happen to be listening, it was really fun. And they did get the sword, so congratulations. Then Friday, this is what I was looking forward to actually. Uh, Friday morning, well, Friday at noon, I played in a game of Star Frontiers. I've been wanting to play Star Frontiers for a while now. I want to run it. And I got to admit, what, it, what attracts me to Star Frontiers, and I'm really realizing this now, is 
I think that when you look at the rules of Star Frontiers, especially the basic rules that come with the Alpha Dawn set, it's kind of like a hybrid board game. It's almost, you could you could play it like a board game with almost no roleplay. Uh, as you get into the full Star Frontiers, you do have the role, obviously it's a role-playing game. But again, you have those little cardboard chits you move around. The idea is to use the, the board and the whole thing. It was a fun game. It was a homebrew um, adventure. The GM was great. Uh, everybody was really cool. I think only the GM really had played since like the 80s. Like everybody was like, we played this when we were kids. He'd only played a little bit. Like he just got back into it. So it was really fun. The only downside to this one was we didn't play with the cardboard chits and stuff. He had like a more conventional dry erase marker thing that he only used for uh, combat. He had like a small combat like grid basically. And we used actual uh, miniatures when we did that. And so... You didn't get that board gamey part that I think I really am interested in. I feel like it was playing D&D in space with a percentile system. It was really fun, but I could be completely off base with how I think Star Frontiers, I'm air quoting here, should feel, at least in my mind. And this didn't feel like, I mean, it could have been any game. So awesome game, but didn't feel like Star Frontiers. So I still count this as I haven't really played Star Frontiers yet. I want to run it now even more so. So I can see if, if I do what I'm talking about, if it will feel different or if it'll just feel like D&D in space. And then <laughs> it is what it is, right? Uh, we played that really fun, really good group. There was a, a, a young uh, child, well, young child, it was a child, probably like a 11, between 11 and 13. I'm not really good at aging children um, in the game. He seemed to have gotten a little bored about halfway through and started playing a video game on his phone. But otherwise, everybody was really engaged and it was really fun. Definitely some sci-fi geek people talking about all kinds of stuff that I don't know about because I'm only generally into sci-fi. But a really fun game. If you're we're in that game with me, thanks guys. All the players were great. I was a drow site, which is like the the blob guy. Really fun. And then I ran my second game at four o'clock that day in Hyperborea. Now I did run second edition, even though I know third edition's out, and I would have liked to have run third edition, but. I had already kind of prepared this game in second edition, not knowing if we'd have the PDFs or not, and already submitted the game. You know, I haven't been playing third edition with my home group, so I'm not familiar with all the little rules changes. So I ran in a second edition. I have to say, and I've said this before, I think, maybe not here, that the Hyperborea Dungeon Master, or I guess referee screen, is one of the best referee screens I've ever used. You can pretty much run the game from that screen. There's not a whole heck of a lot. I mean, as long as you're fairly knowledgeable of the game. There's not a whole heck of a lot you got to reference in the book. All the charts that you really use commonly are there. Whenever I go on a convention like this, I uh, print off everybody's character sheet. I print off the little section in the book on the the type. So if you're like a barbarian, I print off the couple pages that are barbarian. And I print off all the spells. For the monsters, I print those off as well. So I didn't have to bring my big old book, even though it's beautiful, but it's heavy and big. So I've just brought the Dungeon Master screen or referee screen, sorry. And it was pretty awesome. Now, this adventure, The Fire Giant's Daughter, can be found in Dungeon Magazine something something. You can find it if you're online, I'm sure. The premise is good. The actual adventure is kind of trash. And I want to say, sorry if the writer of that adventure hears this, it's very second edition to me. Now, I know that a lot of people give first edition a hard time for being adversarial, but I find so much stuff in second edition is written with, with phrases like, and if the players don't do that, well, they can just go home for the night. Clearly, they don't want to play. Uh, that's mm, like uh, that grinds on me in second edition and I see it a lot. I don't know if I see it in the rule book, but you see it a lot in the adventures written for it. So ooh. anyways, basically the adventure is that this fire giant daughter, um, so she's a young female fire giant, lures the, the player characters via magic, 
which again is stupid because the way the module is set up, because if they make their saving throw, they don't have to follow her. And then it basically says, well, if they don't follow her, the adventure's over. And that's like literally at the beginning. It's like, okay. <laughs> so of course I made it. So that wasn't the case. But in any case, they go and what she ultimately wants is, is for them to free her from her father's household, which must be done via contests with the giants. You know, and again, it's second edition, so it's just like make proficiency checks against the giants. So I completely changed that and just I made each giant challenge the players, almost like Hercules uh, 12 tasks, 12, 12 tasks. You can tell me, call in and let me know. But anyways, kind of like that. It was super fun. There was three guys who showed up. Well, one guy and then there was two slots that were empty. Two people like canceled at the last minute. They sent me a note. There was a couple. They were like, oh, sorry, we, you know, something happened and they couldn't come. And this one guy, youngish guy, like in his 20s. Was like, was like, oh, there's spots because two of my friends are looking for something. And I was like, yeah, I have them joined. So there's three guys, never played Hyperborea before, youngish. Um, there was another guy who, who normally runs Hyperborea, another guy who played Hyperborea a lot. And a third, the sixth guy was, and I say guy, they were, they were all gentlemen in this case. Uh, in my first game, it was a mix. Um, they were, I can't remember. But in any case, it was a great game. And it was so fun. I At the moment where one of the young guys was like, uh, okay, I'm doing whatever. And he was, I was like, hold on, is your character a Viking? And he was like, yeah. I was like, okay, well you, well, you would know because Viking culture, this, this, and this. And I gave him a bunch of information. He was like, hold on, I'd have to roll for that. <laughs> I was like, oh, yes. I must bring the, you know, players that are used to skill based systems into my way of playing. No, you're a Viking. You are raised in this culture. You don't have to roll for it to know what Viking things are. And nobody else can roll for it because they're not Vikings. So, anyways. Now for that awesome, awesome game. Great players. They totally role played. They, in fact, the the one guy that was like, oh, I didn't have to know that he totally like I I had printed out like his he was a cleric. I printed out the information about his god. He was just really, really yeah, awesome. Great, great role player. But he played their characters fantastically. It was a million times better than I thought it could have been. Like I thought the idea was really good, but man, it was really good. So and that was all because of the players. The story I thought was pretty good, but the players they they killed it. I went and played in an OD&D game, and I'm not going to say who ran it. It was way too big of a group. There was also a problematic player in the game, which was who I kind of had a confrontation with, and maybe I'll talk about that in a, in a video or something, because, yeah. Anyways, that wasn't so great, and I was kind of bummed. But then, Saturday morning came, and I ran Do Space Dragons Breathe Fire. I ran it in what I'm calling OD&D Phantasmagoria. I originally ran this game in the DCC supplement called Phantasmagoria, and I trained, I translated that at first. I thought I was going to do it into OD&D using uh, the Arnesonian way, the basically the target 20 system. And I tried the target 20 system and I found that it was way too much math and I didn't like it. So I was like, nope, chainmail's better. So I rolled back and I decided to use effectively unchained, right? My really, really stripped down chainmail version. So effectively I ran this game in kind of chainmail. Everybody was, I created different levels of people. So, um, the, like the, the, the captain was like a hero, et cetera, et cetera. And it was awesome. <laughs> it was, the players were amazing. And in fact, this game normally takes three hours, even though I slot four hours because I forgot to explain stuff. And they did it in like an hour and a half. It was amazing. They were kicking butt and it was like constant fighting. There was, <laughs> there was a time where they have, were fighting a thousand space imps and it was just so cool. And when we, I was like, wow, you just beat the guy i'm like he's fleeing do you want to chase him and keep going and they were just like no we won yeah yeah yeah. and then they were like then i looked at the clock and i'm like well you know it's only like an hour and a half and they were like that's okay it was awesome we won we're not going to risk it <laughs> so 
that game was really fun and really got my spirits up and gave me a ton of time. So I was able to go back to the to the room and relax. I went shopping, which I'll talk about in a few minutes. And then I went back at four o'clock to run the game that I run. I believe I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure that this is the very first game that I've run at any con. I ran it at Gen Con and I run it at every con since. It is effectively the same premise, but I change it each time, which is the doom that came to Sarnath. That is my favorite Lovecraft story. Uh, Solaris is also up there, but I'd say it's my favorite. It's amazing. The visuals of it, the place that was created in this adventure. The It's a high-level party. They've done everything. They've achieved everything you could possibly think of. They're bored. So they head off to find sunken Sarnath, having heard that you know when the moon's a certain way or whatever, the lake rolls back and uh, Sarnath reveals herself for a certain amount of hours. So they go into Sarnath. This is a high-level OD&D game. Uh, I think they were between 6th and 8th level. Whew. Now, I've run this usually in Hyperborea. I think I'm, in fact, I'm pretty sure I've run in Hyperborea every time except for this time. It was really fun in OD&D. It did present some issues that I'm seeing, which is high-level characters, especially in the chainmail system, you know, where you need a certain number of hits to go down or whatever, are really, 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 I'll say really one more time, powerful it becomes one of those it could become one of these situations where when they get up to eighth ninth level that just becomes like okay just have to keep throwing crazy high powered monsters at them but you know i thought i started feeling that at first but then as we went through it nope because saving throws are i know people hate saver suck but saver suck is how you basically level out the playing field with high level characters without just throwing a dragon at them every behind every corner uh, it was really fun uh, they explored Sarnath. They escaped alive. Although they did fall into it, what my friend Scott, who I've played a lot with online, and we've now played at CarryCon a few times, uh, calls the one more door syndrome. <laughs> they were so close, the time was ticking. Um, they had found a bunch of treasure. And it was like, oh, wow, we just got to the place where all the treasure is. Can we go one more door? And they did. And uh, they almost all died because of it. But um, some lucky rolls saved them from being sunken with Sarnath. Of course, the cleric had uh, bailed like 30 minutes earlier because they were like, no, time's up. My character would just take their share and leave. So that character was just heading back on their own. So it was kind of kind of funny. He was like, everyone's while just like heading back. So um, that was really fun. And then Saturday night, we all hung out, which was really fun, of course. And finally, Sunday came. This is becoming another tradition for our cons. This will be, I think, my third or fourth year of doing this. To slay a dragon. The idea that a first level party could take on a dragon. The very first time I did this was in BX, and it's actually on my YouTube channel if anybody wants to see it. And I just, I had seen Dragon Slayer, which is one of my favorite movies from the 80s in that genre. I was like, could like a low-level adventurers beat a dragon in BX? And they did. <laughs> I think in that case, one character survived out of like the whatever 20 or whatever that gave them. Because this is effectively my version of a funnel. I ran it in DCC the first year I did it at GaryCon. Oh, weirdly enough, I think, what game was it? I think it was the Sarnath game. There was a couple people in that game that... No, no. In the Space Dragons game, there was a couple people in that game who had been in the DCC game. Yeah. Instead of giving... Uh, we ended up being 30 characters. Instead of having 30 zero levels in the party, there was 30 first levels. And let me tell you, that is nuts. And I think that's why I don't like funnels anymore. Because to see what a bunch of first level characters can do when they just need to survive and they'll put everything into it, it, it's you you understand how DCC is amazing. Zero level characters, you might as well be playing anything. So in this, I actually what happened was I think it was at Virtual Garycon. 
I decided I'm going to run this in OD&D and put it up. And then I looked at the OD&D chainmail rules and very specifically, dragons cannot be killed by first level characters. They can't be hit by anything but a hero or somebody with a magic weapon. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, they can't beat the dragon. So then I decided, well, this is going to be all about a bunch of mini quests. They're going to do a handful of mini quests to get items that will allow them to face the dragon. They face the dragon and spoiler, they beat it. It was pretty epic. They had convinced the dwarves to give them this, uh, this uh, device, a huge stone that allowed them to summon an earth elemental. The uh, the first character got it up there, and then the dragon killed them. So the Earth Elemental like started going wild, and then this this young lady who clearly had never played OD&D before, she told me she'd only played like the the newer games. Uh, she was like, "I'm a I'm a magic user. Can I try to take control?" And again, by the book, it doesn't say can somebody can wrest control back. So <laughs> I was like, "Okay, we'll we'll do it. We'll say you can do it, but you're gonna have to." I think I gave her like 4d6 under her intelligence, which of course was 3d6 down the line. So she had like a 12 intelligence and she rolled like just under. So she took control of the elemental and then she swung at the dragon with her attack in fantasy combat and she missed. <laughs> the whole party was basically about to get breath weapon. But then one of the players, I think it was Rush, my friend Rush was like, uh, oh, I have a token because I'd given everybody like these bandit keep poker chip. If you play with the game with me at a convention, you get one. So, but it allows for a reroll. He was like, can I use my chip so she can reroll? And I was like, sure. So he threw it in and she rolled and rolled double sixes, which is a crit. And with an earth elemental and because she had, the dragon had landed right before she took control, it did <laughs> enough damage to basically smash the crap out of that dragon and defeat it. So they actually beat the dragon in like four rounds of combat because of her amazing roll. But it was just so good to see a player that was new to old school play to like see that wow we can do this crazy thing and and enjoy it and not be like oh you know dragon combat should be you know super long as a lot of times when you people talk about it you know like dragon should have 300 hit points a bit but you know what sometimes a dragon should go down in three four rounds because that's just the way it is anyways all in all gary Khan was pretty awesome i i definitely enjoyed running od and um it is still 100% my favorite thing, OD&D with Chainmail. I really enjoyed the Phantasmagoria, which is effectively unchained. So I think, I know I told people that I was going to run a bunch of solo adventures, but I, I had to step back because I just had too much on my plate. So I may roll that back out again because I got to tell you, it was really, really fun. And now the final thing that I want to say about Gary Khan, uh, at least in this segment, if I just think of something else, I'll record another segment, is that, when I went to the, the shop to, you know, the, the the place to buy stuff, I was looking around. There was a lot of really cool stuff. But I have so many games that I never play. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go into the used game section and look at something different. My friend Nikki had pointed out that there was a really, because she knows I love cheesy 70s art. There was a cool looking like magazine in there that had like some cheesy chainmail bikini woman with a like, laser gun or whatever she had, but it was awesome. And I was like looking at that that's that area, and I found these games from a company called Metagaming. They are little like chit, uh, you know, you move the little chits around the little maps, the little kind of kind of mini war games, if you will. I ended up buying a handful of those. Well, from that and then a little research, I <laughs> discovered that this could actually be really cool for me. And I, I feel like I bought not all from them, but I bought a total of five of these little games that I've been messing around with. And I gotta say, I really like this. And I like the idea of using these games and then 
using them with other simple roleplay rules to turn them into effectively role-playing games. So I think that's going to be my next little mission over here. But for now, I'm going to uh, close out over here, for, uh, at least on the GaryCon review. If you guys have something to say, if you were at GaryCon or you've been to other cons before or you have anything to say about what I said, uh, please call in. I would love to hear from you. Next episode, I will take the call-ins that have been sitting around forever and answer them. And then I will also talk a little bit about my OD&D, not like a play-by-play because -play, I decided I want to do that. I'll talk a little bit about my OD&D campaign I've been running um, and what I'm discovering mechanics-wise because I really feel like I want to keep this about that, about the, the about the discovery of the system and how it plays, not so much a step-by-step. -step. So um, we've kind of gone off the rails a little bit <laughs> as far as where they are, and I've definitely made some changes to the mechanics. And I'll talk to you guys about that. Wow, I can't believe I did a Gary Con recap without mentioning the final game. So on Sunday night, Andy had a game that he had not run yet, a 5e game, 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. And there were three of us uh, hanging out with him. And he was like, I'll run this. So we kind of, this is very cool. We gathered kind of near the fireplace in the main kind of lounge area. We had some drinks and we played some 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. It was a pretty fun game. I haven't played 5th edition in a long time. I was a wood elf barbarian who had a loincloth and a whole bunch of other stuff because nobody cares about encumbrance. <laughs> it was pretty fun. We went into this area to basically meet up with somebody. And of course, when we got there, there was a problem that we had to solve. I don't want to give away too much because I think Andy runs this at you know, various conventions. It was a fun game. We actually had some really decent combats, some encounters that were kind of uh, that we had to figure out that weren't just combat related, which was nice. Always fun playing with Andy. We didn't get a chance to really play because he wasn't there for the drinking game the first night. So it was really cool to be uh, in a game with him again. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to do that again at future cons. Okay, guys, that's enough for me today. You'll hear from me again soon, hopefully. <laughs> if you'd like to leave a message and let me know what you think, if you have any questions or just something to say about what I talked about, maybe you've been to a con or haven't been to a con or have tried some of those games, let me know. You can send me a message here on Anchor and I'll talk to you soon.